Hi, beauties. This is the Beyond Beauty Project with your host, Bridget Burrick-Brown, the show that's redefining the meaning of beauty. Enjoy, and we're so grateful to have you part of the conversation. Welcome back. Today is Season 3, Episode 2, and I am speaking with Summer Inanen. Summer is a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence. She helps people all over the world to stop living behind the numbers on their scales through her private and group coaching programs. She is the best-selling author of Body Image Remix, host of the podcast Eat the Rules, and creator of You on Fire, an online group coaching program dedicated to helping people get free from body shame. She also co-runs the Body Image Coach Certification Program, helping anti-diet professionals learn to work with clients around body image. In this episode, Summer shares her personal journey with disordered eating, how she broke free from body shame and diet culture, and how that led her to help others do the same. We dove into how she tackles the mental part of deconstructing and rewriting what we've been taught about our bodies and our self-worth, the messaging in our media that reinforces these cultural beliefs, and the importance of giving ourselves compassion, respect, and love. We also discuss the importance of exposing ourselves to environments that show body diversity, how to spot warning signs for toxic health and fitness influencers, and curating a following that makes you feel good about yourself, not one that makes you feel like you're something that needs to be fixed. I learned so much from Summer. She's a wealth of knowledge. I know you're going to learn a lot too, so please enjoy. Hi, Summer. Thanks for being here today. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me, Bridget. Okay, so we're going to dive right in. I really want to start with your personal journey. Um, I'd love to hear a bit about what life looks like for you before starting the journey you're on now with your health coaching um, and how and why you decided to break free from body shame and diet culture. Yeah, sure. So I think my story is probably similar to a lot of people in that um, when I was growing up, I I don't really remember a time where I felt good in my body. Um, Mm. You know, I'm sure I did when I was a a little kid, but even from like a very, very early age of like eight, like I remember you know, just feeling self-conscious, like feeling like something was just sort of wrong with my body. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I think uh, I was bullied a lot for my body. Uh, My mom was, you know, a chronic dieter, like she was always, you know, on Weight Watchers or other things and um, talking about her own body, Uh, the media. So I grew up in the 80s. And and, I mean, not like it's much better now, but (laughs) but there was, you know, just the, the sort of the ideal like the body ideals and and not really seeing any kind of representation other than just like you know like very thin people and thinking that that's you know how I should look as well and that's where our value comes from as women is in in our appearance and so um obviously I didn't have that foresight then but I internalized all these messages as as there being you know, something wrong with me and thinking that, well, if I change my body, then, you know, there won't be anything wrong with me. I'll be, you know, I'll be popular. I'll be loved. I'll fit in. I'll be cool. Uh Like all these other things. And it drove me to start to dabble with, with dieting and, uh, and exercise as a form of trying to manipulate my body, like trying to change my body. And that started when I was around 13 years old And, uh, and so that was just kind of ever present. Like there was just the, I was sort of always on this like quest to try to lose weight Mm. and, uh, and I would try different things. And sometimes like my body would change a bit and I would receive a lot of praise and validation and that would feel really good. And so it just, and all that just reinforced the same thing that I believed, which was, I need to change my body in order to, you know, feel better. Um, And then that kind of spiraled and got a lot worse in my 20s. I started to really develop um, a really distorted relationship with with exercise. I was over-exercising way too much. Um, I was, you know, like really trying to kind of hardcore diet. And I was on this like very much this like restrict, binge, repeat, you know, beat myself up cycle for for 
years and years. And the funny thing is, is that I honestly thought that everything I was doing was healthy. Like I just didn't understand. I was like, but this is what you're supposed to do to be healthy. Like, why can't I maintain it? Like what's wrong yeah. with me? Oh, gosh, and, yes. um, and, uh, it wasn't until, uh, I was in my early thirties that I started to like, I like no diet would work, like literally nothing. Like my body was just completely resistant to any kind of form of restriction. Yeah. I remember doing this like totally juice, like, seven day. That. Yeah. Like I remember doing this seven day juice cleanse and like, I, I think I gained a pound and I was like, how is this even like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. And I went to see multiple doctors and no one flagged anything. Like they were just like, I don't know. And even one doctor was like, well, you're too big to have, you know, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea. Oh, cause I didn't have a period. That was why I was seeing all these doctors. Oh yeah. 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 Um, finally I, I, I worked with a naturopathic doctor who, um, actually looked at, you know, what I was eating, how I was exercising and all of my hormones. And she's the whole been, self. Yeah. And she said to me, she's like, Summer, your, your hormone levels are the same as a postmenopausal woman. And you're, you know, you're 32 years old or 31. I can't remember. I was around, around that age. And, uh, and she looked at, and she's like, you know, you don't really eat a lot of carbohydrates. She's like, you're exercising all the time. She's like, you need, you know, this is what's causing this. And it was really that light bulb moment where I was like, oh, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I was at the time I was more upset about the fact that she was telling me to eat more and exercise less than, the fact that my hormones were that of a postmenopausal woman. And that's mm-hmm. when I knew I had a problem. Like that's when I yeah. knew that like, I really, it, this was not about my health. Cause clearly I didn't care about what I was doing, actually doing to my, to my health and my body. It was really just for this like constant kind of pursuit of trying to be in a smaller body. I remember sitting in the car, like crying and calling my husband and, and like my brain just sort of being like, what the hell? And, and I remember reaching out to a couple of people that had kind of spoken about disordered eating and stuff and asking for resources and help. And that's when I really started to go on this path of, of really looking at why I was doing what I was doing. And it all came down to my body image, the way I felt about my body. But on yeah. a more deeper level than that, it, it was that my sense of self-worth was tied to my body size and how I looked and what other people thought of me. I didn't really have much of an identity outside of, you know, just trying to lose weight and trying to be the healthy one and trying to be thinner. And, and so it was this big sort of reckoning in terms of, I needed to really go on this path of trying to figure out who I was, like what my real identity was trying to really, you know, affirm and find my value and, uh, and, and get off that cycle. And, and heal my relationship with my body and just come to this place of, of acceptance, unconditional acceptance, you know? Yeah. I mean, you were so conditioned and we'll, we'll dive into this more in a bit, but like, it's just, I really heard you say how just from like, you never really knew a time where you didn't feel like you had to be Mm -hmm. something different than you were like, have your body look differently than it, than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like this constant chase for perfection that doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And then the shame, you know, that goes along with it. And we, we learn it, like you said, from society and our parents. Um, so at this time you already had a coaching program, right? Um, so I was working as a nutritionist, so it was a little different. So I was a holistic nutritionist and I worked out of a gym. I also had like a, an online business. And so I was helping people in the same regard. And so I went through this whole kind of process with them in terms of realizing all the women that I was seeing, because I more specifically worked with women, all of the women that I was see was seeing, they all had the same sort of issues. And I was like seeing it. I was like, wow, they're coming to me because they hate their body. They want to change it. They feel out of control around food. Yeah. They're stuck on the same cycle. And so as I was going through my own process of healing, I started to change how I was working with people. So I, you know, stopped winning my clients and I really started to focus on helping them heal their relationship with food. And, um, and then ultimately like uh, a couple years later, I just went back and did a couple different life coaching programs because I really felt like the the entry point of this cycle is our body image. And so I wanted to focus really specifically around that and specifically around helping people build up a sense of self-worth, like really just knowing this is who I am. 
I'm valuable, I'm worthy, like, and building a life around that. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so that's how that, that evolution happened in terms of the, like my, my work and how I was helping people. And so I've been helping people exclusively with body image for about nine years now. That's really um, cool. And, and for myself, I mean, like, yeah, I just don't even really think about my body much. I mean, yeah. I do like, you know, I think about like, okay, does my underwear fit or, you know, like what yeah, do I want to yeah. wear? But, um, yeah. and I notice things like I know, especially aging because I'm in my forties now. Um, but yeah. it's not like, it's just not like, I don't have it that. Shame. consume you. Yeah. I don't have that shame. I don't have that desire to change things. Um, and, and I think that like, it's just, it's like, it frees up so much mental space, like so Ugh. much time and energy, you know? Totally. I've done a lot of um, healing around that as well. And uh, this last year specifically, I'm like, God, I don't really think about it so much anymore. I'm not yeah. mad. It's yeah. like, I'm okay getting rid of smaller clothes. I feel good. You know, um, it's interesting how you said something about the women coming to you are constantly feeling out of control with food mm-hmm. because that's also just a setup. Like, why are we supposed to be so controlling around our food? It's like diet culture is telling us that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to dive in next to like intuitive eating. Sure. And do you use that in your practice and just explain to us a bit of what it is and how you help someone implement it? Yeah. So I'm not an intuitive eating counselor. I sort of like, I sort of like touch on it a little bit when I work with people, but my focus is really around body image and self-worth. But as it relates to, you know, healing someone's relationship with food, I think that if you think about a child, like if you think about when kids are born into this world, they really have this great ability to know when they're hungry, stop when they're full, um, know what, know kind of have, have these like preferences and they move through these different sort of phases where they'll eat more of one thing than another or um they kind of have this really great ability of like balancing themselves out if we don't if we don't animals in the wild you know like nature it's the same yeah and I'm sure we we some of us know adults like that too like they're rare species but you know like (laughs) there are some adults that are I think there's probably more of them hopefully now that have rediscovered that aspect of themselves but um But intuitive eating is really about coming back to that place of like learning to tune into your body, learning to trust your body, learning to figure Mm -hmm. out like what your preferences are, what makes you feel satisfied, what, you know, what does hunger feel like for you and fullness and, um, and really just giving yourself permission to eat the things that, that you want to eat and define, you know, like how that is going to work for you within your life and, um, and get away from the the way that diet culture has taught us to think about food so diet culture has taught us to to like look at food as either good or bad um you know this food is either like healthy or unhealthy um and then we internalize that right and we think like well I'm a bad person if I eat this or like oh my gosh what's wrong with me and that all comes from fat phobia right like this belief that thinner is better and bigger is mm-hmm. bad because if we didn't have that then our relationship with with food would look a lot different uh and uh, so yeah wow it's really about like um divesting you know the size of our body from the way that we eat you know like what if you could just if your weight didn't matter like what would you eat and i think a lot of us think well i would just eat like pizza and cupcakes all day long but it's actually not true. Like sometimes people yeah. go through that phase where they do eat a lot of fat in the healing phase because they need to, because they've been de- yeah. so deprived. Yeah. But what I notice is that, you know, we, t- we like, you get sick of it pretty quick, <laughs> you know, yeah. like totally because you, you don't to, feel good. Yeah. And you start, and, and it just gets boring. Like once you've yeah. actually given yourself permission to eat something, then, yeah. you know, it, the thrill is sort of gone. And once you're fully fed, which is another huge piece of, of the puzzle is like, once you're adequately fed, like food just is less interesting. Um, it's yeah. when we're in that kind of deprived state when we're like so restricting true. ourselves, either both physically and mentally, that food just feels like, oh my gosh, I need to eat that. Or I can't eat that. Like, and you, and it drives all those thoughts that we have, which then keeps us stuck in that cycle. And so, um, yeah, it's about coming to this back to this place, like more simply what, where we can just trust ourselves. Yeah. And what are like some simple steps that you start, like that people can start with in the beginning? 
Yeah, I think it's just like starting to first bring a, bring an awareness to the thoughts that you're having around food mm-hmm. and really um, start to give yourself permission to eat the things that you want to eat instead of listening to like that diet brain voice. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and maybe that that's just starting really small. Like maybe if you've been restricting carbohydrates, then you start to just like give yourself permission to eat a little bit more. Or if you like, yeah, haven't eaten, you know, bread or something in a while, like maybe it's like you start to give yourself permission to invite that back into your life when you feel like eating it. Um, And really like at the same time, like simultaneously, like really reinforcing that, you know, food is just food. Like it's, you can have it anytime you want, like it's not going anywhere and having those foods around all the time in your house at your disposal then helps to reinforce that message too. Yeah. And and food is fuel for our body, you know, food is to make us feel good and energized and healthy and right. Yeah. And the majority of people that I see are under eating, like the, when they first kind of they're under eating dieting. Yeah. Like, I think that there's this real misconception of how much like a grown woman should eat. And I always say like, you got to eat like a grown ass woman. Like you got to be well fed, (laughs) you know, you're not going to feel well fed. And like when we're not well fed, it impacts everything, you know, it impacts our mood, our sleep, our, you know, the, like our energy levels and yeah our emotions. Yeah. And in turn, it actually makes us fixate on food even more. Yep. Yep. I conundrum of it. (laughs) I know. Absolutely. Okay. How do you teach someone that they are more than their body or the number on a scale? Like, how do you tackle that mental part with clients? Yeah. Well, it's a big, it's a big thing, right? Like it's a, yeah, it's a huge, if it was just really easy, (laughs) we'd all be better. Yeah. But I think if we like take it back to the root of it, it's like, what does it mean to, you know, to be more than your, you know, just what you've been taught about your body, I'll say, because I think that like, yeah, it's more what it is. Right. Um, And I think that it really comes down to uh, our sense of self-worth. And if we, if our self-worth is not being defined by how we look, then we will just inherently, you know, feel more neutral in our body and not really worry about it so much. And so yeah. the the real kind of like framework of when I work with people is looking at self-worth. And so self-worth is okay. the way that I look at it is you, you know, what we're trying to do is figure out who you are, you know, knowing who yeah. you are. And knowing that who you are is valuable and worthy. And so Mm -hmm. the knowing who you are part is really about, you know, knowing like your, you know, knowing your values, knowing your purpose, knowing what gives you a sense of pleasure, what gives you a sense of fulfillment in this life, um, what makes you feel grounded, like what, like all of these different kind of aspects, like, and what, what um, qualities in yourself can you really affirm? How can you start to see yourself as, like this whole incredible human being instead of just like this compartmentalizing yourself into body parts. Yeah. And then the, in terms of like believing that you're, you know, that you're valuable and worthy and knowing that you're good enough. So much of that really comes from doing work around uh, the beliefs that we have. Like, what do we actually, what do we believe our body means to us? Cause it's not just about our body. It's about what it, what it means to us. And and yeah. that's different for everyone. You know, we all have different experiences that have sort of shaped how we internalize what our body represents. Um, so for example, for me, it was like this belief of like, there's something wrong with me. So really working around kind of like these root beliefs to try to like, <laughs> start to build up a new belief yeah. system. Yeah. That looks, God, that we looks- probably have so many beliefs. Yeah, we do. Right. And we have beliefs. A lot of it's inherited from our culture. Like a lot of stuff is just things that we've learned about what it means to be a woman or what it means to be um, in a particular body. Like a lot of the, you know, the sexist messages that we've internalized or the fat phobic messages or the racist ones or the transphobic ones, like all all of the different kind of social oppressions really impacts like the beliefs that we have about ourselves and our body. And so it's about unpacking that and learning how to speak to ourselves differently and learning how to treat ourselves differently. So I really leverage a lot of self-compassion and looking at like the way that we speak to ourselves and teaching clients how to learn to be more compassionate with themselves, as well as like 
the actions that we take, you know, whether that's through just the food that we eat or the, how we move our body or just general self-care, like, are you actually showing yourself like that your needs matter, that your wants matter, that, um, that, that you matter. Yeah, exactly. Cause all of that sends like a subconscious message. Right. And so if we are sitting there like denying ourselves of the food we want or pushing ourselves to the limit in the, in the gym and exhausting ourselves, like none of that is reinforcing that we're good enough. Like all of that yeah. is basically just kind of reinforcing, like there's something wrong with you, you know? And so we have to look at the way that we speak to ourselves as well as the behaviors. And so um, I do a lot of work with people around both of, of the, all of those elements really, but both of those I like things. That. I like that. I so you're really looking at the beliefs that you hold around yeah. your body image, around your body, mm-hmm. kind of unpacking those, trying to kind of change your beliefs. And then like, I guess it's kind of like, do you walk your talk? Right. So like, how yeah. are you actually act, acting or treating yourself? Acting yeah, towards exactly. Yourself? That's yeah, really cool. Yeah. I think that there's kind of this misconception that like body image work would mean like, okay, we're going to try to like, really like our cellulite and stuff like that. And I just, I don't even go there. Like I, I do do some stuff that's more like embodiment with our body. I do do some emotional processing work that leverages like looking at your body or using a mirror or photos. But the root of what I do with people is really more about getting to like the deeper layer of like why we feel this way in the first place. Cause You know, it's, it's not about just like finding yourself attractive because that's fleeting. That's not consistent. You're you're never going to feel that way every day. Right. But totally, if if we can like let our feelings about how we look, not dictate how we feel about our whole selves, then that's going to be so much more rewarding in the long term. I'm sure you're probably helping clients find out what makes them unique and what makes them them and Cause I don't think we celebrate that enough either. Cause we're just so focused on this like perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's so little affirmation and acknowledgement of it, you know, uh-huh. like we don't, we might kind of have an idea. Like we might be like, well, you know, I think I'm a pretty nice person or I think I'm funny or I'm smart or whatever, but we, it's like, how often do you actually acknowledge that in yourself? How often do you affirm that? And, um, I think for most of us, like we're not, we're just looking at where we're not good enough and we're not yeah. really reinforcing where we, where we do like feel good or where we do, you know, feel like there's elements of ourselves that we can really appreciate. And so, um, that's something that like, I'm always encouraging people to do is to, is to, you know, really appreciate like the things that you have about yourself and like make a, a concerted effort towards, highlighting those things just for yourself, you know, internally. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, What are some of the biggest challenges you come up against with your clients that they have when they're starting this work? I mean, there's a couple, there's so many big ones. I think a big one is like the environment we live in, you know, like it's really, it's hard to do this work when it's counterculture and the majority of people are doing the opposite you know like if all of your friends or all of your family are still trying to lose weight trying to diet it's really hard to not do that it's really and it's hard to change beliefs when you're swimming in the waters of of like this culture where everything that you're trying to do differently is being propped up right like yeah and so um I think that that's that's tricky as well as just our own kind of like personal circle in terms of Um, there's a lot of things that sort of influence like how we feel about our, our body. Like if, if, if our life is really stressful, if, um, if we don't have a lot of support, like if, you know, if we're not sleeping enough, like all of those things also impact how we feel about our body too. And those things are sometimes harder to change. Uh, and so I find sometimes that we bump up against that. And then I think a, a huge one is just like this, like fear of the unknown, right? Like we have this blueprint of, okay, if I diet, if I try to lose weight, like the outcome is going to be this and it's going to be very positive. We don't have a blueprint of the opposite of if I stop dieting and I accept my body, it's like, we don't have that in our mind. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that we've been taught is that that's bad, right? That that's like not what you should do, that you're not going to be happy. And so 
it's about, you know, helping people to kind of overcome those, that fear of the unknown and that sense of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my body? Like, am I just going to, you know, like keep, like, am I never going to like work out again or all this stuff? And like, and none of that, like, you know, it's just, you're, 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 you're going to be fine. (laughs) You know, the way I, the way I reframe it is that like, what we're, what we're learning and what we're teaching is like how to, how to treat yourself with compassion and respect yeah. and kindness. It's like, how can you go wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, totally. you're not going to go wrong by, you know, you're not going to like 10 years later be like, I, re- I really regret like trying to be better to myself. Like, I really regret like trying to know that I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we're not going to say that. <laughs> and it's like, it's like giving yourself this space. Like if we go back to the intuitive eating and how children sort of know when they're full and animals in the wild, like they know when to eat. And it's like giving ourselves this permission to go back to just sort of like, go with the flow and be free from mm-hmm. Like the shackles of having to try to be something perfect all the time. That's not, not attainable anyways, you know? Exactly. It's just so hard though, when you've been told that you can't trust yourself and you've been told that like something is going to be wrong with you. And and so those, yeah, I think that those are some of the more common points of of fear and resistance. And also just like, it can be vulnerable work and, and like, people don't want to sign up for that, you know, Yeah, but but it's also, you know, it's like, it's like you're carrying that around regardless. So you might as well like move through it and, and address it and feel through it and get to the other side of it, which is so rewarding. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just see it time and time again with my clients or like they get to a place where they're just like, I just feel so much more at peace and it's amazing. Aww, and, um, I love that. Yeah. 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 How do you help clients understand that bodies change or that being different homeostasis weights at different ages or times in their life is normal? Yeah. I mean, I think that like we need to look outside of our box of what we're being exposed to. So if you think about like a normal day, (laughs) you know, and you think about you get up in the morning and you check your phone and then um, and you start to see like only you know, like depending on who you follow, like if you follow like, you know, influencers or fitness people and, you, and you're like really only exposing yourself to like one type of body and then you, you know, go and you go to work and maybe people, everyone there is dieting and like all this other stuff. And then you watch TV at night and you're watching The Bachelor and like all these women look exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. They're all a size two and all this other stuff. I love The Bachelor. And, um, and so, you know, that stuff gets into your mind, right? And it's- yeah. And then we're measuring ourselves up against that. So we then think that like, well, I should look that way. But if you actually look at, you know, the facts, only 5% of of bodies are aligned to what is considered the ideal. So the majority, the vast majority of people, like 95% of people have a body that looks different than that. And, um, and, you know, we see that again with kids, like kids have different size bodies Um, and what happens is, is that once we start to kind of manipulate our body, once we start to kind of try to change, like where it's, it's sort of like it's happy weight or your set point as it's called, um, that actually kind of can, can change what it is, you know, like if, if Mm. you're constantly dieting and trying to bring your weight down, then like usually what the research has shown that like you end up gaining more weight back, which I'm not saying that like, you know, being bigger is bad or anything like that. But um, the, the mechanism that we're trying to use to try to fit and conform to this, this ideal actually ends up backfiring. Yeah. Uh, And when we can change our environment and, you know, stop just looking into this vacuum of like, these are the only bodies I expose myself to, you start to see that there actually, there is a lot of diversity um, and that bodies do look a lot different and that, you know, you can be a marathon runner in a much like in a, in a big body, or you can be like a, a dancer in a big body, like, and that all of these things that we've sort of learned about what bodies can do certain things or that bodies are only attractive if they look a certain way. Like we have to consciously make an effort to change that because our media, the media that we consume doesn't really show us that. Um, There's some change, like there's a slow change, like there's some better TV shows, but it's still very predominantly um, showing, you know, like the sort of thin ideal. And, um, And so I think it's just, you know, 
recognizing that 95% of bodies aren't supposed to look like that. And if you actually like expose yourself to that and look, then you'll see that, you know, body diversity is, is this this real, real thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So sticking with that for a second, um, is there a way that people can kind of notice or say, okay, this seems like a toxic health or fitness influencer because I think there's so many of them that people look at and think, oh, they're really, they must be so healthy. But behind the scenes, I was a personal trainer. I was in the modeling industry forever. And I know that's not true. You know, Mm -hmm. they oftentimes are doing very unhealthy things. So is there any sort of like warning signs that we can look out for? And just do yeah. a little unfollow on those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like the, the the question is like, do they make you believe that thinner is better? And if so, mm. then like that's that's your cue to, to to like take some time away because anything that's reinforcing that. that thinner is better is gonna make you believe that you need to be thinner to be better and that your body yeah. isn't good enough. And so what we want to look for is people that really promote that, like, you know, all bodies deserve respect that, you know, like you're you, the body that you're in today is, is worthy of, of, you know, just celebrating or whatever else. Like, um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, I mean, it's pretty, like, it's a pretty simple question. Like, yeah. so you just have to ask yourself, I love like, that. is this making me believe that thinner is better? Or is this yeah. making me believe for me, like I'm really sort of confronting the aging process right now. And so yeah. it's like, is this making me believe that like younger is better, you know? That yeah. And so, um, and so it's the same process, like with whatever your, whatever bias you're confronting. Um, yeah. and it's like, it's amazing how much of a big difference that makes when you unfollow that stuff. Like when I work with clients, we do a lot of deep work and, honestly, sometimes at the end of our time together, it's like, I'll ask them like, what was one of the biggest changes you made? What was one of the changes that you made that had the biggest impact? And they always say like changing my social media feed. Like, yeah. It makes oh, yeah. such a big difference to unfollow people that are making you think in a certain way and making you believe that there's 100%. something wrong with your body. And then to follow the opposite, like follow people in bodies that are larger than your own, that show diversity, that yeah. um, speak to, you know, body Different liberation. bodies. Like yeah. 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 Because it just like, you know, we, 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 that's the beautiful thing about social media. Social media can be a really toxic place, but we can also curate these totally. bubbles for ourselves that yep. can be very supportive in the, in the body image healing process. Yeah. So be careful what bubble you're curating for yourself because it can be very, I, I love those two rules. Like if it's making you yeah. think thinner is better or younger is better then we're not following them. I yeah. That. Or that you, you know, that like you have to do a certain thing to yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, or follow like any, a certain like, rule or yeah. yeah. Like eat a certain yeah. way, move your body a certain way. Like and just really, I think that we can feel it. Like, you know, you can feel it in your body when you look at something and you get that it's, I think sometimes we sort of numb ourselves out with it with, with, when we keep scrolling, but if you actually slow down and kind of tune in with like, what's the response in my body when I see this, you know, like, does, yeah. is it like that little, mm, you know, that kind of like little hit of shame, which, you know, some yeah. of us can feel in our chest or our stomach, like you feel, you, you feel that internal feeling and yeah. And it's those little, like all those little hits are just taking, like creating sort of this bigger sense of shame within ourselves. And, um, and so, yeah, it's like just slowing down and and really just being super critical of like what you're consuming. And like, listen, like I still watch TV with people who look, you know, like, like the bachelorette. I was watching bachelor in paradise last night. I love that show. Yeah. Like I watched. (laughs) bachelor they had one in Canada. They had bachelor in paradise, yeah. <laughs> bachelor in paradise canada and i watched it and i was like i was like this does not really you know help at all but at the same time like i was just like i just needed some junk food for my brain and so it's such junk food it like reminds me of tabloids you know yeah but at the same time like you just be critical right like because maybe yep. it's not good for you right now and maybe you want to take a pause from it because it does like it, it just it how it is it happen. making you feel yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like it's, it's going into your brain and, and, uh, having an impact. Totally. Okay. I listened to one of your podcasts and I love how you talk about not making a bad day or a bad body image day, a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Explain yeah. that to us a bit. I thought that was really cool. 
Yeah. So I think that, you know, we, we, well, I mean, whether it's your body image or other things, we tend to catastrophize, right? Like we, and it's normal. So what's happening is we're feeling something like there's some emotion that's there and our brain is trying to figure it out. So, you know, whether it's anxiety or sadness or shame or boredom or whatever, like your brain then like tries to figure out what's happening and then tries to like problem solve or, you know, think, oh my gosh, like, and you start to go down the, the, the rabbit hole of thinking like the worst possible things are going to happen. And so, yeah, I always, I sort of lay out this, like, okay, how to deal with, you know, those moments of intense body shame. And then the first one is just like, do not over exaggerate it. Like just try to really just be curious about it. Try to kind of zoom out and just say like, okay, I'm just, I'm having this moment, you know, I'm having this moment where I'm feeling this way because when we start to problem solve, when we start to catastrophize that's when we're more likely to think like okay I just need to cut out carbs or I just need to like you know work out today and then everything Mm. will be fine and and it just triggers that diet that old diet brain that we have that we're trying to get rid of so yeah yeah so if we can just kind of look at it in in a present sort of mind and also look at like the actual emotion that we're feeling so you know coming back to okay, I'm feeling a sense of anxiety or I'm feeling a sense of shame. Um, and the other thing that's really critical here is, is also asking yourself, like, what else is going on that might be, make, might be making me feel that way? So yeah, what else is going on that might be making me feel that way? Okay. Um, so, because what happens a lot of the time is that we use uh, our body as a way to uh, cope with emotions. So what I mean by that is, maybe we're feeling overwhelmed. Uh, maybe our, we're really burned out. Maybe things are going really poorly at our job. We tend to fixate on our body instead. It, it kind of mm. transfers over and becomes body shame because it feels like something we can fix. Uh, so, interesting. yeah. So like, I'll, I always give the example of like my, my dad passed away like three, three years over just over three years ago now. And mm. um, uh, like, obviously I was feeling a a huge amount of grief and just all this other stuff because there was a lot of stuff that was going on when it happened. And, um, and I remember like, I started to fixate on my body again. Like, I remember I was like in the shower and thinking like, okay, like I, you know, maybe I should work out more. Like I, and I, and I was like, wait a minute, like, I know what's going on here. Like I'm feeling this really overwhelming sense Mm. of grief and my brain's trying to distract me, like trying to to, you know, fi- focus on something that I feel like I actually do have control over. Yeah. Um, even though I actually know I don't have control over my body anymore. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but that goes happening. back there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's obviously like a more extreme case, but it can happen just with people, like if they're going through something stressful, like, or if they're really busy, like if it's the holiday time and they're feeling overwhelmed and um, we tend to deflect our emotions onto our body because it feels like something we can fix. So anytime someone's having an intense moment of body shame, I always have them just, you know, really bring awareness to what the emotion is that's there and and just be curious about like, is there anything else going on in my life right now that yeah. might be making me feel this way? Because then we can say, you know what, this is actually not about my body at all. Like fixing my body isn't going to take away this situation. And yeah. And then we can start to actually, you know, process what's really there or look to um, look for ways to cope with the current situation. But it's often like when we feel out of control. So I remember when COVID first hit, like in March, 2020, like oh God. so many people were like my, like so many people reached out for support because their body image was like just really bad. And it was because there was this huge mm. sense of like feeling out of control, fear of the unknown. And people were started fixating on their body. Also isolation, yeah. like all these other things. And so it's really interesting to sort of witness that. And then when, once we know that within ourselves, like it becomes so much easier to be like, this is not about my body. This is about these other things that are going on with my life or these other feelings I'm having right now. Um, and that can help us, you know, stop that catastrophizing profit. Totally. That's the right word, but that yeah, process when we go down the rapid hole. <laughs> well, I also think things like COVID, um, it halted so many of our ways we controlled our body. You know, we weren't able to go to the gym five days a week. We weren't able to get the salad from, you know, the corner deli that we got every day, you know, and that 
really threw everyone in a <laughs> in a frenzy. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, there was a lot. Like there was, it was a lot, right? And so if body, if you were kind of struggling with body image or healing, your, you know, your relationship with food, then that just sort of sort of like yeah, you know, that fire for sure. <laughs> Do you feel like you see more women struggling with body image than men? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't get any male clients, but I think that's specifically because my, I've marketed myself that way. But I do, yeah. I do think that it is a pretty common struggle. I have a colleague that works with men around it. He has a podcast and, um, and, um, and yeah, like, I think the thing with, with men is that like, it's, they, they're, you know, the, they're less inclined to talk about it. Like mm-hmm. they, you know, because it feels vulnerable and they're supposed to just, yeah. like, you know, push their feelings down and just be okay. And, um, and so while I don't think it's to the same extent, because I don't think that they've really been conditioned that, you know, like their values yeah. in their body, like it's, yeah. different. you know, they're, they're, the they're exposed to, or they've internalized less like social oppressions. Let's put it that way. Right. Because yeah, they, yeah. you know, they do, they are men. Right. So, yeah. um, but like the standards for men are also really ridiculous. And I've seen yeah. it with like, so friends who have teenage sons, um, like or looking aging. at like yeah like looking at like you know like you look at like Zach Efron right like and and like what he does to manipulate his body for different roles and it's like you know or you look at like just I don't even know who the like Marvel people are like wait what does Zach do oh Zach? like well like he he'll like in, gain weight or like gain muscle or yeah, yeah. like he was in Bay so he was in like the Baywatch movie and like got like just super super low body fat and then later kind of said like how much that destroyed him but then and yet he's done it again for like a different role I've seen yeah I follow celebrity gossip no no but it's Uh. interesting because then we're seeing all those examples you know well yeah that's one of the reasons I like I kind of I kind of walked away from the modeling industry about three years ago um I still do a little bit but I just was like, I can't, I have a little daughter. I can't, like, I have mm-hmm. to really be mindful of what kind of role model I am being. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I was told to lose weight and I'm like, I'm not going to lose weight. I'm not going to shove my body into clothes that don't fit. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing that all the time. Yeah. That's why you don't even remember a time since you mm-hmm. were little that you weren't thinking I need to be different. I need to look different. I need to... And then by right. 13, you were on a diet. Yeah. And you look at like what, you know, little, I have a four-year-old. So like the shows that kids watch and like, there's, there's very little diversity and, yeah. and there's, there's a lot of, you know, like messages that are fat phobic and, yeah. um, or just like instilling this belief that like certain foods are bad to eat. And, and so it starts really, it starts really young. I mean, they studies show that by age, like three or four kids have this sense that like being fat is bad. And so um wow. it is quite scary to wow. to recognize that yeah, and sure. I think that that goes across all genders and um yeah and I think that you know like it's probably just something that doesn't isn't talked about as much and men and I don't think men tend to go for mental health support as that's much. what I always wonder I'm like is it the mental health because I've gotten a lot of messages from moms of boys and they're like mm. they're struggling too and I'm like yeah okay. they are um yeah. But I think it's, I think it's that they're not as, I think, like you said, they're not as conditioned, but they're also not talking about their feelings as much. Um, What are some of the biggest ways that's interesting that the kids are thinking that at age three or four about the fat phobia? What are some of the biggest messaging do you think that they're seeing? Yeah. Well, I think like, so for example, like, I don't know if you watch Peppa Pig or if your daughter watches Peppa Pig. Yeah, I know Peppa Pig. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, but there's like, there's like messages in there where it's like, daddy's tummy is so big because he eats so many cookies and like, mm. oh, daddy, like daddy pig can't do this. Won't be able to do this sport because he's too big or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, interesting. it's yeah. really subtle. Um, and, uh, and I think just mm. like a lack of representation as well. Right. So if you only see, images of like thin kids let's say like if you're a child and you're only seeing images of like thin kids or like superhero type kids then you kind of think that's dominant right like that's okay that's what's normal so anything outside of that is sort of other and as well uh, the a bigger influence is as parents and like what they hear 
You know, like if your kid is hearing you say like to somebody else, like you look, have you look so great. Have you lost weight? Like, yeah. What are they internalizing? You know? And it's like really things that we may think are are kind of innocent or, but they are, they are listening they are watching. And Mm -hmm. so we have to start to like actively change, like tell them different, like really actually tell them differently. Like if my, if my, cause my son will watch Peppa Pig sometimes if something like that comes up, I like, will stop it and be like, this is why, you know, like there's nothing wrong with having a big tummy. And my husband has a big tummy. So I'm like, daddy has a big tummy and it's all fine. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, so it's also like, I think it's, it's twofold in terms of the media that they see as well as like just role modeling it yeah I always talk about how we how we talk about ourselves or other people's bodies I I also just find it very strange when adults comment on other adults I mean if they comment on kids bodies it's extra weird but when anyone says something like like you just said like oh you look so good did you lose weight I'm like no, I cringe inside. I'm like, no, don't say that. Why are yeah. you saying that? No yeah. one wants to hear that. Also, they're like, what did I look bad before? Like, well, yeah, yeah. Like, it's don't very get, triggering, it's right? not like, a compliment. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I've experienced that recently too. And like the reason why my body changed was because of like very bad things happening to me. Yeah. And so no, I know it was like, it was such a, like a, yeah, I, I just was like, I, I just absolutely hated it. It was like one was because I had a miscarriage. Yeah. Other time was because I had like a complete like, like terrible reaction to this medication I was taking, and it was giving me like horrid anxiety, and so my body changed. And like, I, I just was like, wh- like this is you know like, or when I yeah. had a, like a disordered eat, like I, I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder, but like a very disordered relationship with food. It's like you know we don't know what we're actually complimenting. Yeah. Or you know you're encouraging. And, yeah, yeah, and it just and it's it's someone's yeah, health terrible. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, exactly. Okay, before we finish up, I want to get into your book the body image remix book, um, your sure. podcast, just anything else you offer that we should. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so the book I wrote like eight years ago, so it's like, it's, I mean, awesome, I feel though. like I would change a lot of things now, but yeah, um, totally. But I think it also still holds up. Like it's a pretty good sort of starting point for people who are struggling with their body image. It's kind of part, like sharing my own story, part, like giving people some specific sort of advice around what you can do to change your relationship with your body. Um, my podcast is definitely like the best way to sort of learn more about, um, and get just advice around body image and hear from other experts. So okay. there's, 247 episodes Amazing. <laughs> as of today um that uh that cover like so much and I actually did like a whole series called the body image series that uh really dives into some of these cool. body image topics like much more in depth and um and so yeah it's called eat the rules and you can find that everywhere and then um yeah in terms of super cool with, yeah I'm in terms of I want to listen to that <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I actually do really like it. Um, in terms of, of working with me, so I I, work, I have a group program called You on Fire, which is um, my online group program to help people uh, build up a, a sense of self-worth outside of, of their gene size and really feel more confident in themselves and more confident in their body. And then I also teach, prof- I teach professionals. So I have a body image coaching certification program for oh, that I co-teach sweet. with... Um, uh, with my partner, Danny Adams. And, uh, and so, yeah, we teach other professionals like coaches, therapists, personal trainers, how to work with clients who have body image struggles and like Amazing. how to do it in a way that's equitable and, and, and through like an anti-oppression lens. And so, um, yeah, so that's another way that very cool. That Ooh, I'm going to talk to you about that. Also. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I've been yeah. looking for something. I'm like, I need to add, cause I have my holistic health coaching, but I'm so involved in this now with my project I'm like I want to add some sort of body image coaching or oh yeah looking, let's talk about it. I've been yeah, looking at all that so we'll chat we'll chat yeah after. yeah yeah yeah. but yeah you can um, find me at the bodyimagecoach.com or I'm at summer in and in across all uh social media okay final question mm-hmm. before we say goodbye that I ask every guest it is how would you define beauty 
Yeah, this is so hard. You know, I think that beauty is something that you feel inside. Mm. You know, it's like when whether it's like a beautiful person, um, and that could just be like their, you know, the energy that they exude or the way that they make you feel. Um, or, you know, something in nature, like it's about the response that you have to something. Um, and so I think that like, you know, everything can be beautiful in its own way. And it's kind of how we are internalizing it and perceiving it in that moment. And, um, and so, yeah, I think that that can kind of like be, whether that's like a puppy or like, you know, like just a person, it doesn't matter how they look like they can exude, like there's just some level of something about them that makes you feel that makes you feel good or just makes you feel Mm -hmm. like that kind of like more warm feeling. Um, And so that's how I would define it. I always say beauty is how you feel. And it's interesting. That's my, (laughs) that's, that's sort of our tagline. Beauty is how you feel. Um, and I, while you were talking, I sort of connected it to how you get people to come back to appreciating the things that mm-hmm. are, spe- you know, unique about them or, you know, just really feeling good about yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's like funny because it's like every client I work with, I'm like, oh my God, like you're so beautiful. And like, you just don't see it at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I just want to like shake them. Yeah. And it's not like an external beauty. I don't mean it in the sense of like, totally. Beauty beauty standards but it's just like there's something about them that is yep. like yeah just yep. it, it's, it's their energy yep I yeah. love that so yeah. cool well thank you so much I loved our conversation and um let's keep in touch yeah thank you so much for having me Bridget I'll talk to you soon Thank you for joining another Beyond Beauty Project conversation. Let's continue to support each other with kindness, empowered voices, and self-love. Visit us at www.beyondbeautyproject.com where you can find all of our socials. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And listen, Bridget would love to hear from you. Don't be shy. So send us a DM or an email with your thoughts and what you want to hear about. See you beauties next time. This podcast episode is designed to be for informational and discussion purposes only. I am not a doctor and I'm not trained as a medical provider or counselor. I do not provide medical care or attempt to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any physical ailment or any mental or emotional issue, disease, or condition on this podcast. Always seek the advice of your own physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding your personal medical condition. Do not disregard recommended medical advice or treatment or delay in seeking professional medical advice because of information or content obtained from this podcast. If you have or suspect that you have a medical or mental health issue, please contact your own healthcare provider promptly. For urgent medical needs, please contact your healthcare provider or call 911 immediately.